Studio 6B on a Monday, November 8th, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Man, I tell you, the uh, the daylight savings thing will get you in trouble all the time. I woke up this morning at 5.30, thought it was 6.30. Now it's 5.30. So that's good. You got an early start to your day, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's> I'm tired. <laughs> and then I walked out to get make my very fine cup of coffee before the show starts, and I look up, and it's 10 minutes of 9. I'm like, man, we're an hour into the show already. Yeah, flew by, right? So I had to fix the clock in the studio <laughs> as well, so... Uh, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. It is 8 o'clock. Daylight Savings is kicked in. Man, it gets dark about 2 in the afternoon, it seems like now. Uh, Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's here. Geo friend holding it down. As always, glad you're in on a Monday. Are you taking pictures of something? Like, yeah. uh, well, I'm on Getter now, so I want to... We can't hear you if you don't talk into your mic. I mean, I know you've only done radio for like your whole entire life. Yeah. Usually how it works is you talk into the <laughs> microphone. Well, I, I'm fi- I finally got, got, got on Getter. Okay. So... Uh, I just want to let people know that we are live and it's Monday. Okay, very good. We're live on Getter as well. Well, no, we're not live right now on Getter. I don't think you can go live on Getter yet. But we're on Getter, but we are live tonight on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, our our website, and I believe on our Twitter. Wow. And we're just... um, well, we're just going for it. It's just enough with the overlords and uh, social media telling us where we can or can't be. So we're going to see if any of it works and how it goes. So I right. hope to be there every night and hope that Delgado doesn't get us kicked off anything. So that's basically, my, basically my plan for the night. So I <laughs> uh, hope you all had a good weekend. I, there's so many places to start, but I'm going to start in a weird spot. And you know where that is? In, in California. Where is the governor? You know what? Of California. I'm, Where the hell is he 11 days now? I'm glad you mentioned that. We have not seen him. And the rumors are floating around is that he's had an adverse reaction to the vaccination he took. And he is unwilling to um, unwilling to speak about it. Or, and he's just hiding from the public. Either that or he can't speak about it. Or that. Because, uh, the, and this is coming from just the news, since you brought it up, let's jump to it. Where is Gavin Newsom, the De- Democratic California governor, retreated from public appearances for roughly the past 11 days? Yeah. And it's raising speculation about exactly what is the reason. His office said on October 29th in an email news release that the governor is tending to unspecific family obligations. Uh, Last week, following the announcement of the approved uh, Pfizer coronavirus vaccine for kids, California implemented what state leaders are calling a robust vaccination program. Um, Some were expecting Newsom to publicly appear before the TV cameras to make the announcement, but he did not. His most recent appearance was October the 27th when he received his coronavirus booster shot. I guess he got the wrong lot. Um, His office said he had planned to uh, participate virtually in the U.N. Climate Conference last week, but had to cancel that. And the governor's social media accounts have also been uncharacteristically quiet for the last few days. So, yeah. Yeah. Where in the world is Gavin Newsom? Where is Gavin Newsom? Uh, California voters want to know, and California residents should know, want to know as well. And certainly we hope that that there's... He hasn't had any um, serious adverse reactions, but certainly as a public figure, if he has, well, I, I don't think they should be hiding it. No. As they're actively pushing to get this into the arms of everybody. If there's reactions that are had, I mean, we should probably know about it, I would think, and in the, in the people in the state should know about it. 
Yeah, I mean, we saw that. Uh, I think. Uh, did you see that hockey player that went down? I guess uh, over the weekend. Um, he's fully vaccinated. All of a sudden, I think he had like a heart issue or something during a game. I just saw that pop up on a feed. I saw somebody put a compilation of a, of a, of well over um that'd be seven, eight, nine, ten athletes, soccer players, hockey players. And again, I I mean I I can't speak to the veracity of every clip they used. But making the point here that there is some adverse reactions to some of this. Yeah. And more specifically, this gentleman who no one has ever heard of unless you do this for a living. Uh, so I'm just going to say no one's ever heard of Florian Dagori. He's the world's top static free diver. If you know what free diving is, that means you go underwater and you go deep and he can hold his breath for more than 10 minutes. Well, Florian Dagori, Dagori the French free diver, is not able to hold his breath for 10 minutes anymore. The free diver noticed that his heart rate was way higher than normal. His breath hold capacities went down significantly after he took the vaccine. 10 days after taking the vaccine, he went to see a cardiologist and was told that it was a common side effect from the Pfizer vaccine and it would pass. 40 days passed and still no progress. He went to see another cardiologist and got diagnosed with myocarditis and trivial mitral regurgitation. Um, then he went on to share on his Instagram page a few of the uh, thoughts that he had about this. He said, after my second dose, I noticed my heart rate was way higher than normal and, and my hold breath capacities went down significantly. During sleep, I'm at 65-70 instead of 37 to 45 uh, BPM. That's his heart rate. During the day, I'm always over 100 BPM now instead of 65. And when I sit down and relax, it's the same. Once I even reached 177 BPM, that's his heart rate. That that's something like with like a, a enormous physical exertion, you can get up that high just by having dinner with friends. Ten days after my second jab, I went to see the cardiologist. Like I mentioned, he is now struggling to reach eight minutes to hold his breath, and his dive performance decreased roughly 30 percent or more. So, I had um. I had retweeted something this weekend on, uh, I believe it was Saturday, Saturday night it was actually, and I said, this might be the craziest thing I've ever seen, and, and a lot of you retweeted it. It was a tweet by a doctor, Kelly Victory, and she has, a, um, she has an attachment from the FDA, from their own file that they put out, and she writes, the FDA acknowledges that they predict more hospitalizations from myocarditis resulting from COVID-19 vaccines in 5 to 11-year-olds than from COVID itself. <laughs> then they conclude that the shots may still outweigh the risks. Think about that. And then she links to the FDA paper. FDA conducted a quantitative benefit-risk analysis. This is from their filing. To evaluate predicted numbers of symptomatic COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, ICU admissions, and deaths that would be prevented per million fully vaccinated children 5 to 11 years of age over a six-month period, as compared with predicted numbers of vaccine-associated excess myocarditis cases, hospitalizations, ICU admissions, and death per millions, fully vaccinated children 5 to 11. The model conservatively assumed that the risk of myocarditis, pericarditis, associated with the 10 milligram dose in children 5 to 11 years of age with the same 
Would the same as the estimated risk associated with the 30 UG dose in adolescents, 12 to 15 years of age, from Optimum Healthcare claims data? While benefits of vaccination were highly dependent on COVID-19 incident, the overall analysis predicted that the numbers of clinically significant COVID-19-related outcomes prevented would clearly outweigh the number of vaccine-associated excess myocarditis cases over a range of assumptions for COVID-19 incidents. At the lowest evaluated COVID-19 incidents, the predicted number of vaccine-associated myocarditis cases was greater than the predicted number of COVID-19 hospitalizations. Although the vaccine may still outweigh the risks under this low incidence scenario. If the myocarditis, pericarditis risk in this age group is lower than the conservative assumption used in the model, the benefit-risk balance would even be more favorable. I don't know about you, but my theory on my kids is not going to be, well, let's do it and read, let's read the bill to find out what's in it. I'm just, that's just not happening. Right. It's just not happening. I mean, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. They're admitting that they think they'll have more adverse cases than they actually will of COVID cases that this thing is supposed to prevent. But somehow they think it's still okay to go, and then we'll figure it out from there. Start sticking the kids, and then we'll figure out if we're wrong or right. <laughs> that's just not enough. Yeah, that's, that's like the, uh, I think it was the FDA guy or somebody that said last week, and I can't find the article now, is that we need to give the vaccine out so we can see what kind of uh, reactions we get. I'm sorry, but that that doesn't sound good to me. Uh, I'll take a hard pass on that. Yeah, I mean, it's just absolute, absolutely crazy. Uh, those of you telling us that there's an audio issue, um, we're aware of it, and we're uh, efforting, the crack staff is efforting to, uh, to fix that. So we'll try to get that before the next segment, if you can hear me. <laughs> Which you probably can. It's Brandon's fault. Yes, uh, let's go, Brandon. Hey, so. can, does that mean we can curse now? No, no, no absolutely Because no. no, that will not. come through. Yes, that was, that's the one word that'll come through. So You guys just sound like you're underwater. It's, you know, it's All right, the it's end fine. of the world. No problem. Um, so lots to get to tonight besides some of this other stuff. But um, I'm going to spend some time on the infrastructure bill. And I never, never put it past the Republicans to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory as they all, they do so well. But can we please stop with the, this is some kind of a bipartisan, if I hear one more time, this is a bipartisan infrastructure bill, I'm going to puke. Just because we have 13 turncoat Republicans. And I'll tell you who I point the finger at. I pointed to Kevin McCarthy. I mean, you know, three of them, I believe, are here from New York. It's just, it's just what, what are you going to do? You know, Gab- Gabarino and a couple other, um, you know, rhinos. From New York, but realistically, where is Kevin McCarthy's leadership here? Why is it that Republicans can't one time have a unified front? Pelosi did not have the votes for this. <laughs> now, supposedly, supposedly, McCarthy said to her, "You're not going to get one Republican vote until we know you have the 280." You have to get the 280 yourself. You guys are in charge. You have the majority. You get the 280. You get no help from us. 
Well, she doesn't have the 280 because the squad's all upset that it's not, you know, that's not enough money and it's not this and it's not that. And supposedly McCarthy did nothing as far as pu pulling the Republicans together, no closed door sessions, no um, bringing the caucus together. And here's 13 of them out there in support. Go give Pelosi the victory that she didn't have on her own. That she did not have on her own. So I don't know who else. Of course, you can point it at the 13 individuals. But what do you expect? I mean, what do you expect from the three Republicans from New York? You expect them to have any courage or their convictions? Of course not. But why is it McCarthy cannot lead this group to be unified, have a unified front at a time where Biden's numbers are falling off a cliff? The party itself is almost in a somewhat civil war in, in the party, the Democrats. And we hand them a victory with 13 people that she doesn't have. I mean, you can't explain it. I mean, you can't explain it. But it's just, it's just unbelievable. So we're going to dig into some of that. Uh, Rick will have news. Rick will have sports. Pretty good weekend for Amirati as far as the betting goes. We'll talk about that. <laughs> I didn't lose too much. <laughs> Bingo. We'll talk about it when we get back live from Studio 6B. past the hour on a monday live from studio 6b real america's voice dish network channel 219 pluto tv channel 240 samsung tv plus channel 1029 of course visit us on all our social media facebook.com slash lfs6b twitter at lfs6b where we're streaming on both tonight on our youtube as well parlor getter instagram uh rumble we're everywhere, so follow us on all our social media. That way you get to see things you missed. If you missed any part of the show, or if you want to go watch Rick's What Even Is That, or uh, Rick's Sports, or Crazy Town, it's all there, so you can check it out. Speaking of sports, let's do it. Now, coming into the weekend, you were down $6,000. Thanks to Paul. Putting <laughs> Thanks to Paul doubling you up. Right, yeah. we, all, we know that. But you had a pretty good weekend. Uh, what's, the new, what's the new count, G.? You only you only lost another thousand. Yeah, that's so not G. bad. So now Who you're knew? down. You only lost a G. So now you're down seven thousand. Your tears definitely <laughs> seem to have increased. Okay, wow. But, I'm gonna look, uh, to, I'm gonna make, look to make that thousand back tonight. We got a big game. Heinz uh, Field in Pittsburgh. Steelers are hosting the Chicago Bears. Steelers are laying seven. I'd like to take the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight. Okay, you got it. Minus seven. I'll take the Bears plus seven for a thousand. You got it. And we'll, and we'll check back tomorrow night and see where we are. Hopefully, we'll all be right. back in uh, six thousand. Rick, 000. you should go all in. Let's officially. Um, do sports here with Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, so let's just recap the uh, weekend for NCAA football as well as NFL. Uh, the number one Georgia Bulldogs continue to roll. They rolled over Missouri 43-6. to Number three, Alabama edges LSU 20-14. to Number eight, Michigan State fell to Purdue 40-29. to That was a bit of a shocker. South Carolina upset Florida 40-17, even though they were getting 20 points, which I picked them. That was a good move. Number two, Cincinnati 28-20 <laughs> over Tulsa. A little bit of a 
lackluster win, but however, Cincinnati has now moved to number two, leapfrogging Alabama. Number seven, Notre Dame sink Navy, thirty-four to six. Number Since, six. If you're if you're a supporter of Cincinnati, that performance is pathetic. Yeah, Tulsa is pretty much horrendous. You're laying twenty-two and a half or whatever it is. In I mean, there was a there was a time in there I didn't know if they were going to win the game. I know, but Alabama slipped too because they only beat LSU twenty to fourteen. They were favored big too, big. I think right, but what I said to you last week, I, st- I mean, the idea that Cincinnati is going to play with Alabama or Ohio State yeah. or Oklahoma or even LSU is preposterous. I agreed. I agreed. So. Um, and uh, Ohio State is still number six. They, they won 26-17 over Nebraska. And number five, Oregon, still hanging in there, 26-16 over Washington. Moving over to the NFL, bit of an upset yesterday. Dallas Cowboys were thumped 30-16 to by the Denver Broncos. Denver came in, and they just woke uh, they, they just woke the Cowboys right up with a, with a beating. So, I was surprised to hear you had a voice today when you came in. Oh, man, it was 30 to nothing before <laughs> I could uh, reset my clock. It was crazy. Uh, Arizona, 31-17 on the road over. San Francisco, that was a good game. Uh, Colt McCoy, 249 yards and one touchdown, and that was in place of Kyler Murray, who did not Everybody play. loves San Francisco. Yeah. No Kyler Murray, no D-Hop. Everybody was on San Francisco. <laughs> they moved them from three up to five and a half. They lost the whole game. Yeah, the Never cards, were in it. Cards are the team to beat now. And the Browns blasted the Bengals in Cincinnati, the Battle of Ohio, 41-16. Uh, Nick Chubb with 137 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Patriots pounded the Panthers, 24-6. to Carolina quarterback Sam Donald, three picks, no touchdowns. L.A. Chargers, 27-24 over the Eagles. Last second, Dustin Hopkins, 29-yard f- field goal. And the Falcons clipped the Saints in the dome. In New Orleans, 27-25. Young Hoku uh, also kicked a 29-yard walk-off. And upset of the week was the Jacksonville Jaguars over the Buffalo Bills. Nobody saw that one coming. They not only covered the spread, they beat them 9-6. Amazing. Josh Allen had two picks. And uh, Giants, 23-16 over the Raiders. And Chiefs held on barely to beat Green Bay 13-7. Jordan Love filling in for Aaron Rodgers. Just not the same football team without Aaron behind the uh, the center. No, but Kansas City's going nowhere this year. And Buffalo, as far as I'm concerned, are frauds. Yeah, not Buffalo. They're frauds. The last two weeks, that offense, they're fraudulent. Yeah. They're not not the best team. They may not be the best team in the AFC East. Look out for New England with Max Jones. looking good. Yeah. The big win against, uh, uh, that was a great win against Carolina uh, on the road. And uh, just one more big D. Kyle Lawson caps return from suspension with first NASCAR Cup Series title AP report from Avondale, Arizona. Lawson closed his comeback season in NASCAR with his first championship yesterday as he capped his return from a nearly year-long suspension with a title-winning victory at the Phoenix Raceway. Martin Truex, uh, the 2017 champion, finished second and was followed by Denny Hamlin, uh, his Joe Gibbs racing teammate. Hamlin is 0 for 5 in championship finales and was the only driver among the final four contenders who did not uh, lead at all in one lap. Uh, Chase Elliott, the reigning champion and NASCAR's most popular driver, led 94 laps but ended up finishing in fourth. Uh, Truex has finished second in the championship standings three times in four seasons. Lawson uh, was uh, fired for four races into the season and lost nearly every sponsor for his use of a racial slur. Remember we had that report last year while racing online and Lawson retreated to his sprint car routes to rebuild his life. He volunteered for multiple different grassroots organizations as Lawson went on a personal journey to learn more about himself. And uh, sure enough, he won. So, uh, again, another poetic justice moment to see uh, Kyle Lawson, the champ for NASCAR 2021. And that's a wrap in Sports Big D. More later, we got rodeo, PBR. We got a lot of good stuff coming up later. All right, very good. Thanks, Rick. Let's do a little news. And here with the news, 
uh, is uh, Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? Well, something in keeping with the uh, the sports theme right now is the Manning cast curse real. Yes, in a wild coincidence, six active players that appeared on the Monday Night Football sidecast on ESPN2 with Peyton and Eli Manning. They go by Travis Kelsey, Russell Wilson, Rob Gronkowski, Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, and Josh Allen have all lost the following week. The latest example being Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Bills, who were favored to beat the Jaguars by over two touchdowns on Sunday, but lost, uh, as Rick just reported, 9-6. to There's yet to be an active player to appear on a Manning cast whose team has won their next game. So I don't know if this is going to figure into your... uh, into your betting in the future. It's hogwash. The silver lining here, as long as the trend persists, is that the curse does not appear to be a season death sentence. The Pucks, the Bucks, Rams, Bills, Chiefs, all remain plausible Super Bowl contenders. That's like the old, uh, if you're on the cover of the EA Sports deal, you can't win the Super Bowl. And that's like, if you win the par three at the Masters, you can't win the tournament. Come on, stop. Come on, man. Just just thought I'd bring it up. (laughs) Since, uh, you know... It could be. It could factor into who who, who makes how much money on Definitely the next bet. Hey, um, well, Rick needs all the help he can get, so maybe he should factor <laughs> it in. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> all right, protesters clashed with uh, mask and vaccine mandates at Boston Common. Hundreds of uniform officers were deployed yesterday, Sunday, as dueling protests clashed in Boston's Common. The uh, protesters and counter protesters scuffled during a protest held by the Super Happy Fun America and the Reforming Fathers Coalition called Rise Against Tyranny Rally in Boston Common. The Super Happy Fun America group uh, behind the 2019 Straight Pride Parade and the Refounding Fathers Coalition organized this this Rise Against Tyranny rally to protest vaccine and mask mandates, a counter-demonstration, of course, sprung up called mass up against hate gathered to oppose the rally and the police presence was largely kept largely to keep the uh, two groups apart of course hundreds of officers erected metal barricades to block off sections of the common uh the boston globe reported but both sides still confronted each other and repeatedly in heated and sometimes violent exchanges um Super Happy Fun America doesn't consider itself a white ring group, but it came under fire when two of its leaders were arrested and charged in connection with the January 6th Capitol uh, insurrection. And in terms of the counter-protesters who marched around the bandstand with many barricades, tried to get closer to the rally, among them was Elizabeth Birdsall, 39, who told the Boston Globe that she was helping push back against those who want to make Boston less, less safe and less equal. So you had a little uh, little protest fun happening in Boston, the uh, site of the original Tea Party. So we'll ever see what happens. Uh, a couple of things out today. Germany sees highest infection rates since the pandemic start. Now Germany's had worse lockdowns than we've had. They've gone full-blown authorita- uh, authoritarianism, and uh, they've got the highest rates of infection now since the whole thing started. And the other thing is the French health authority today has no longer recommended the Moderna COVID vaccine for people under the age of 30 that out today. So, um, here we are continuing to never ever here in America, change the path forward, no matter what happens. All right. We'll talk about this. When we get back, we'll do some more news live from studio six B on a Monday.
30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in. Make sure you visit our page now at MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Great deals there available to the LFS6B audience. You can go right there, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B, and you'll have some special deals just for you. As we get closer to the holidays, of course, the original MyPillow. That's what I suggest you get. If you haven't bought anything from MyPillow, man, just start with the actual pillow. I've been sleeping on that pillow for over 10 years now, probably, since I first heard of Mike Lindell on Imus. That's where I made me buy the pillow. I've never slept on anything else. It's the best pillow made in the USA, by the way, uh, that you can buy. And they've got all kinds of different um, levels of, you know, if you want it soft, you want I mean, this guy, it's just, just a great pillow. Uh, so go to MyPillow.com slash LFS6B and you'll see all of our deals up to 66% off most items on our page. So great stuff. All right, let's do some more news. And here with that is Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? All right. Well, over the weekend, a missing teenage girl was rescued after using a hand gesture that signals distress or domestic violence to capture the attention of a passing driver. Uh, this happened to be a girl uh, who was 16 years old, spotted traveling inside a silver Toyota near London, Kentucky, about 150 miles southeast of Louisville. Um, the driver, a driver called police after noticing a female passenger in a vehicle making hand gestures that are known on the social media platform TikTok to represent violence at home. I need help. Domestic violence. According to the Laurel County Sheriff's Office, they said in a statement, the caller noted that the girl appeared to be in distress and was being driven by an older male. Laurel Sheriff's, Sheriff's investigators positioned themselves to watch for the passing Toyota and intercepted the vehicle as it exited the highway. Deputies conducted a traffic stop and subsequent investigation revealed the teenager had been reported by, missing by her parents days earlier. Police say the teenager told investigators she traveled with the man through North Carolina Tennessee, Kentucky, and Ohio, and authorities alleged she had been attempting to get motorist attention to call 911. Following the stop, James Herbert Brick, they always have three names, 61, was arrested at the scene and charged with unlawful imprisonment, the sheriff's office said. He remains in custody. And again, the uh, gesture, which she learned on TikTok, uh, was first introduced by the Canadian Women's Foundation last year, and it was adopted by women around the world who need to discreetly ask for help and show that they are in distress. So, wow, good for that driver. A little because, bit of good news, man. I tell you, I guess I. Are you aware? Would you know? Would you have known it? Uh, you know what? I've that would explain. That would explain why she was able to go through what four or five states before yeah. somebody recognized it. I don't spend a lot of time on TikTok, but. And uh, I saw an actual video of the the signal, and, and it mean you have to put your hand out like this, fold your thumb over, and then close your fingers over like that, and that means. You know, if you if you do it like that, in the window, that's the signal to uh, please get help. That you're uh, you're 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 in you, you need help. You're in danger. Um, Gio, why don't you make your mic live so you can tell the whole audience that what's I the breaking ha- I news? I haven't. Uh, I'm I'm switching right now, so I haven't had a chance to get details. But I'm I'm hearing that uh, there's a breaking story. There's a shooting at Lincoln Memorial. At the someone, Lincoln Memorial in D.C. Uh, yep. Uh, someone was airlifted out. That's all I know right now. Okay, we'll um, we'll 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 check on that. Uh, Rick, why don't you check on that right now? And let me to, let me yeah. jump over to the Federalist today because I want to get back to this quote unquote bipartisan nonsense infrastructure bill. And Rachel Bovard, who I absolutely love, who writes great stuff, 
She says um, the, the title of this article is how 31 Republicans just betrayed the country to reward illegal immigration, worsen inflation, and pay off Democrat donors. A vote for the quote-unquote bipartisan infrastructure bill is a vote for Biden's reconciliation legislation yet to come. The largest cradle-to-grave expansion of federal power since the New Deal. She says at nearly midnight on Friday, 13 House Republicans gave Speaker Nancy Pelosi the votes she needed to pass the so-called bipartisan infrastructure bill, colloquially known in D.C. as the BIF. In doing so, these House Republicans, among them two members of the House GOP leadership team, all but guaranteed House passage of Joe Biden's hotly partisan $2 trillion reconciliation bill, which we know it's at least probably double, maybe not triple that, which represents the largest cradle-to-grave expansion of federal power since the New Deal. Over at National Review, Philip Klein called the move by these 13 Republicans political malpractice and a betrayal. He's right, particularly on the first point. Republicans who supported the bill predictably justified their vote as one for quote-unquote roads and bridges, pointing to the benefits that the bill's largest provision, like the $47 billion in climate funding and the $66 billion for the failing Amtrak system, provided without any reform, will ostensibly bring to their districts. As Representative Don Bacon told The Hill, I thought it was good for our district. I thought it was good for our country. Meanwhile, left-of-center commentator Andrew Sullivan huffed about the fanatical tribalism being applied to a bill about infrastructure. That the BIF was a bill solely focused on infrastructure may have been true at the bill's conception, but for months a single and unavoidable political reality has been obvious. The substance of the bill hardly mattered. Rather, the infrastructure bill was a chess piece enforcing through the passage of the larger, hotly partisan reconciliation legislation to come. Their fates were linked. One would not pass without the other. This was a choice made very clearly and very openly by congressional Democrats. In June, Pelosi stated, there ain't going to be no bipartisan bill unless we have a reconciliation bill. A sentiment she reiterated in October when she confirmed, quote, the bipartisan infrastructure bill will pass once we have agreement on the reconciliation bill, end quote. House progressives made the linkage of the two bills, two bills central to their strategy of leveraging concessions in the reconciliation legislation, refusing to provide votes for the infrastructure bill until their reconciliation demands were met. Six of them ended up refusing to support the passage of the infrastructure, paving the way for House Republicans to have to be the deciding votes. Even President Joe Biden tied the fate of the infrastructure legislation to the reconciliation bill. He did so explicitly in June, and then he didn't really mean it, and then he said he didn't really mean it after Senate Republicans expressed outrage But then, of course, 18 of them voted to pass the bill in August anyway. And then linked them again in October when he told the House Democrats that infrastructure, quote, ain't going to happen until we reach an agreement on the next piece of legislation, reconciliation, the infrastructure bill. 
So to claim that a vote for the infrastructure legislation was merely a vote for roads and bridges, quote unquote, devoid of any other major political context, is just willfully ignorant of the obvious and openly stated politics here at work. A vote for the infrastructure bill was, was very clearly a vote for the reconciliation legislation. The inability to understand this reality raises not only questions of basic political acumen, but the ability of House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's leadership to hold their conference together on consequential votes. It's worth unpacking a few of the provisions in the reconciliation bill that this group of Republicans will now make possible, among them, a 10-year amnesty for illegal immigrants, which includes work permits and driver's license and cannot be undone by future administrations for a decade. Provides millions of dollars in funding for the IRS to enforce the Biden administration's plans to review every bank account with $10,000 or more. Expands and shores up provisions of Obamacare. Eliminates the statutory cap on employment visas, effectively allowing big tech companies and other mega corporations to prioritize hiring foreign workers over American workers. Facilitates endorsement of Biden's vaccine mandate by increasing OSHA penalties on businesses up to $700,000 per violation and provides billions in funding for the Department of Labor to increase enforcement. Mandates taxpayer coverage of abortion, leaving the long-agreed-upon Hyde Amendment out of the bill. Provides half a trillion dollars in climate spending, including clean energy tax credits to subsidize solar, electric vehicles, and clean energy production, as well as the federal spending on clean energy technology and manufacturing, all while limiting domestic energy production, thereby increasing dependency on Russia and China. Provides roughly $400 billion for expanded government child care universal pre-K, which pumps millions into failed Head Start programs, excludes support for families who prefer at-home child care arrangements, and by requiring that preschool teachers have a college degree will reduce the availability of child care options. And furthermore, it has a host of new taxes and a giant tax cut for the rich. By including a repeal on the cap for the state and local tax deductions, which is SALT, which some of you may have heard of, Democrats will provide a $30 billion net direct tax cut for the top 5% of earners, largely in blue states where the state and local taxes are much higher. The Build Back Better reconciliation legislation is a bill that transforms the role of the state in every aspect of your life while expanding key Democratic priorities like amnesty, abortion, cheap foreign labor, a dysfunctional health care system, and invasions of financial privacy. And consideration of the bill in the House wasn't made possible by the Democrats in the majority, but by the House Republicans. There are those like Sullivan who will still bemoan that political polarization has taken over even relatively popular policies like infrastructure. But politicizing the infrastructure bill was the clear and unambiguous choice that Democrats made when they linked the two bills together. To expect most Republicans to be as tin-eared, as politically naive as Adam Kinzinger, as openly tied to Democratic priorities as the group of 13, is ridiculous. It's asking them to act against their own self-interest. Democrats drafted a partisan reconciliation bill with no Republican input 
full of provisions they knew Republicans wouldn't support. Then they hijacked an otherwise bipartisan bill to ensure passage of its much more expansive and partisan cousin. This was a specific choice that the Democrats made, and Republicans are not responsible for it, nor should they be expected to vote for a bill that is the stated gateway to related legislation which they profoundly disagree with. Regardless, the infrastructure bill now goes to the president's desk. 18 Republican senators helped pass it in August. 13 House Republicans helped pass it Friday night, knowing very well they were also voting on the amnesty-filled, abortion-funding, financially-snooping, cheap labor-loving reconciliation bill, and they gave it the required boost. Betrayal is not a strong enough term. That from Rachel Bovard today in The Federalist. And I don't know what else you can say other than, other than that. Betrayal is not a strong enough word. And we're, we're going to reach out on this show to every one of the three Republicans from New York, and we're going to see if we can get any of them that have the guts to come on here and talk about it. from Studio 6B on a Monday. More when we get back. So Gio told us about the breaking news. So Rick has a little more on this story. So what's going on? Yeah, so there was a confirmed Lincoln Memorial shooting and uh, a helicopter came to to uh, airlift the man who was reportedly found with a gunshot wound to the head lying in the reflective pool near the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Um, there's a video here on this uh, on the sun.uk.com uh, website video caught by the eyewitnesses showed the helicopter landing on the eastern edge of the pool nearest the Lincoln Memorial. Bystanders uh, stood watch. Authorities are seen using flashlights to search through the pool's water as a stretcher was pulled out to retrieve the man's body. There's more to come, but that's basically all we have just confirming the shooting and that a victim was found. All right, we'll, uh, we'll try to keep track of that for the rest of the, uh, the show for the next hour and 13 minutes. We'll see if we can get an update. Let's do an update in sports right now with Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? All right, a couple of live scores. Big D, NBA right now, good game. The Knicks leading the Sixers 72-69 after three quarters of play, heading to the uh, fourth quarter in the Wells Fargo Center down in Philadelphia. Uh, Grizzlies 40-36 over the Timberwolves. That's in the second. And the Nets right now trailing the Bulls by four, 37-33, also in the second. Monday Night Football. Pittsburgh Steelers are up 7-0 on a running back Najee Harris's 10-yard run uh, right now in uh, Heinz Field in Chicago. Justin Fields 
two of three for uh, four yards. So right now, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers leading that game. We'll keep an eye on that because I got a thousand large riding on that one. Uh, and NHL action. Rangers looking good at the Garden tonight. Up 4 nothing over the Florida Panthers in the second. Capitals 3-1 over the Sabres. Uh, Washington's Alex Ovechkin scored his 741st goal, tying Bobby Hull for fourth time on the all-time list. Ovechkin is looking for that Gretzky record one day. And the Kings 2-1 over the Maple Leafs. That is in the second period. Uh, some sad news out of Major League Baseball. Former Mets pitcher Pedro Feliciano died at the age of 45. This is from Chalina Goldman of uh, Yard Barker. Former New York Mets relief pitcher Pedro Feliciano passed away in his sleep at the age of 45. The news was first reported by ESPN's Eduardo Perez. Feliciano spent his entire Major League Baseball career pitching for the Mets, making 484 appearances in the regular season. He registered a 22-21 and 21 record and four saves over 300 83.2 innings with a 3-3 ERA and 350 strikeouts. Um, so it was reported that he was actually jet skiing with his family just yesterday. Uh, however, he was uh, found dead earlier today. Uh, Pedro Feliciano, New York Mets reliever. And uh, just one more. Knicks go wins Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit finished second. AP report from Delmar, California. The opposition knew Knicks go would charge out of the starting gate, yet none of his rivals went after him. He had it all his way, own way in setting an uncontested lead and winning the $6 million Breeders' Cup Classic by two and three-quarter lengths on Saturday at, Del- at Delmar. Uh, Knicks go ran one and a quarter mile in one minute 59 second and 0.5 second tenths of a second. He earned his fourth straight victory and in the process solidified a bid to win the Eclipse Award as Horse of the Year. Medina Spira could not muster the necessary late kick uh, to threaten Nick's go uh, and was second for the embattled trainer Bob Baffert. The Colt failed a post-race drug test after the Derby and the Kentucky Horse Race Commission has yet to make a final ruling which is why Bob Baffert is able to continue uh, training horses at this time. So, hey, Nick's go. And, you know, just like the New York Knicks. The Knicks are on the go, Big D. And Rapid Sports, back to you. All right, very good. Thanks, Rick. Uh, let's do, by the way, before we get to news, uh, Ned Ryan also has a great piece on this infrastructure bill in American Greatness. And he says, um, remember something, only 23% of this bill is actually infrastructure. The other 77% is for things like the $213 billion allocated for retrofitting 2 million homes and buildings to make them more quote-unquote, sustainable, whatever the hell that means, or the $20 billion for racial equity, environmental justice, or the mileage tax, as in, yes, they want to explore taxing you for every mile you drive your car. So we'll get back to Mr. Ryan's take on this, but uh, remember, this is just, it's inexcusable, as with many things with the Republican Party, but this one at this time in this um, environment, with this administration, is inexcusable. So, all right, what else is going on in the news? All right, well, the SS—I mean, the FBI raided the home of Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe over the weekend, early Saturday morning, as part of the investigation into the stolen, quote-unquote, diary of President Biden's daughter, Ashley Biden. New York Times reported the raid took place early Saturday morning, just days after the homes of two other Project Veritas uh, associates was also subject to search warrants. A spokesman for the FBI told uh, told the Times its agents had performed a lawful enforcement activity at the apartment building in Mamaroneck, but did not comment on the investigation. The investigation being conducted by the FBI and federal prosecutors 
in Manhattan. Of course, they're going after Project Veritas. And Project Veritas responded to the Fox News inquiry by pointing to video remarks O'Keefe released Friday reacting to the previous FBI raids on his uh, on his journalists. The investigation surrounds a quote-unquote stolen diary belonging to Ashley Biden that went missing j- days just before the 2020 election. O'Keefe confirmed the Times' previous reporting about two other raids, uh, releasing a video addressing the group's apparent ties to the diary and declaring Project Veritas came under attack. He said, and I quote, I woke to the news of the apartments and homes of uh, Project Veritas journalists or former journalists had been raided by the FBI agents. It appears to be the Southern District of New York now has journalists in their sights for the supposed crime of doing their jobs lawfully and honestly, or at least this journalist. Um, O'Keefe also acknowledged that within an hour of the FBI's raids on the home of the Project Veritas reporter, uh, the Times contacted him for comment. Uh, our efforts were to st- were the stuff of responsible ethical journalism, he said, and we are in no doubt that we and we are in no doubt that Project Veritas acted properly each and every step of the way. I think we played this uh, clip a couple days ago when this story broke, but now he's under investigation. His houses have been searched, and uh, they're coming after him as well, even though they didn't even publish the diary. So. If you were asking questions about why the Department of Justice was issuing um, letters and going after parents at school board meetings when you could easily contact a local police to handle that, you have to as much, if not more, be wondering why the hell is the FBI going after or putting any resources into looking at a stolen diary? Yeah. I mean, it literally makes no sense. And what jurisdiction do they have, by the way, I would think would be a question to go into James O'Keefe's house based on what? Wouldn't, again, why would the local authorities not be handling it? What is the FBI's interest in a stolen diary? I don't care who it belongs to. Yeah, and uh, O'Keefe went on to say that they didn't publish the diary because they couldn't verify the authenticity of the documents. So they didn't even publish it, and they still got he still got raided. Both of his homes got raided. And if anything, because when this first happened, they were like, well, it's, it's probably not a real diary. They can't confirm it. I guess the FBI searching for the diary is now confirming that everything written inside the diary must be true. So that should be deeply uh, troubling, especially if your last name is Biden. And she talks about how, I guess, they would shower together, which is an odd thing. So there's more, there's more of the diary that's been already published. I forgot who published it. Somebody well, else. Who's pu- I mean, has anyone verified any of it? Because those are pretty salacious. Um, those are like dossier-esque details right now if the diary belonged to somebody who was under investigation or the diary was part of some other then maybe i could understand it but i mean this makes i mean it's hard to figure what the fbi's interest here would be
right, live from Studio 6B, hour two on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's going to do some more news. Rick Amirati's got sports. Geo Fran holding it down, as always. Going to be a great week. Good stuff coming up. Special surprise show on Wednesday night. Oh, yeah? Special guest. Good topic. Another great video for you to watch. I'm going to give you, I'll give you more information tomorrow night on Wednesday's show, but you definitely want to be here Wednesday night. Gonna be, it's a serious topic, too, by the way. No jokes. So I'll give you more information on how you can get involved and support tomorrow night as well. Uh, let's do some video, G. We got great stuff here. We haven't gotten to any of it yet, including Crazy Town. But why don't we start with... Um, we could, well, I don't want to go back to last week. Let, let's, I'll tell you how to start this, because this, um, this one is a conversation starter. Let's do the WTF video of the day. This is from the press briefing today. This is the old infrastructure bill. Maybe the 13 Republicans, including the three from New York, want to chime in on this topic. Um, roll it. I'm crazy! Secretary, Secretary Mayor Pete, um, could you give us um, the breakdown of the implementation of Justice 40 with the infrastructure package that's now passed and signed into law? And also, um, can you give us the construct of how you will deconstruct the racism that was built into the roadways that you talked to the Rio earlier when you broke that information with us? Can you talk to us about how that could be deconstructed. I'm still surprised that some people were surprised when I pointed to the fact that uh, if a highway was built for the purpose of dividing a white and a black neighborhood, or if an underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids uh, to a beach, or there would have been, uh, in New York was, was designed uh, too low for it to pass by, but that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices. Um, I don't think we have anything to lose by confronting that simple reality, and I think we have everything to gain by acknowledging it and then dealing with it, which is why the reconnecting communities, that billion dollars, is something we want to get to work right away uh, uh, putting to work. But that's such a heavy lift. I mean, you have to reconstruct <clears throat> communities that this happened to. As you said, some of these beltways and, and interstates and roadways were built before the Civil Rights Act, before the Voting Rights Act, and were made meant to be racist. But how do you go about redefining and replanning these roadways and communities that are already settled in? Yeah. Um, so what's interesting is it's going to vary by community, and we have to listen to the community. Sometimes it really is the case that an overpass an went in a certain way that is so harmful that it's got to come down or maybe be put underground. Other times, maybe it's not that way. Maybe the really important thing is to connect across it, to add rather than subtract. And that's where we don't want to impose a one-size-fits-all answer uh, from here. But when we were out in Syracuse, for example, looking at I-81, we saw the local vision uh, for how they want to get past those divisions. And those local ideas are going to be taken very seriously as we try to meet the spirit of this law. I'm crazy! <laughs> he has no idea what he's talking about. How can you re deconstruct racism? Uh, well, you know, we're going to listen to the community. You don't have an answer. Just say it. I don't know. The whole idea of it, though, at this point, is this a current problem? I see, I see April Ryan and people running to find articles from back, you know, hundred years ago about the uh, Southern State Parkway or yes. whatever the hell they're referring to in New York. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. The Southern somehow State Parkway. Be linking to that is, is, is justifying this insanity.
That actually comes from a 1974 biography of Robert Moses. Is that, what, is that what they're referring yeah, to, Robert that, Moses? It's that, it's that particular book where he outlines that, that he was racist because he built them too low for buses, but it was probably more of an elitism thing right. than actual racism. It, it, it was he didn't want buses of city people coming out ruining the beaches. It, it, it didn't matter what color you were. He just didn't want a big exodus from the city coming out on the weekends and screwing up the beaches. <laughs> That's what it was because, uh, you know, let's face it. Um, he, he, like, like Fran just said, he was an elitist. He wanted, it, it's almost like the Hamptons. You think they're going to change the Hamptons to make it more friendly for everyone? No, the Hamptons is going to stay in the Hamptons. Very exclusive, very expensive. If you drive on the wrong, on the wrong road, trying to get to a private beach, you're probably going to get pulled over. Cause that's what they do. It, 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 uh, uh, Pete Buttigieg has no, no business being in any part of government. He should just go home and breastfeed his kids. In some in some places, he says we need to deconstruct the <laughs> yeah. bridges. It's like now, like is this a this is a problem now. This is what the tax. This is what the money's going to go towards. What Pete Buttigieg and April Ryan decide was. <laughs> He's so stupid. I mean, I, I just and you, and you saw his stupid look, like he was like. Like when she said, deconstruct racism in roads. How do you do that? Um, and he just kind of smiled like, holy crap, somebody asked me a question. And I don't have an answer for this. I mean, that's hardly a question. I mean, she's, she's there just pontificating for her own uh, personal uh, ideological positions. She's never, she was never happier than um, just to hear Pete Buttigieg say race and, or racism and then and, and whatever the hell he talked. I mean... <laughs> She is really <laughs> off the reservation, April Ryan. And, and you know what? She, she, for someone who's supposed to, From like, CNN. she's a cheerleader for for the Democratic Party. She she completely threw him under the the bus. I can't get over the underpass because he had no answer. He had no answer. He couldn't he couldn't come up with anything. Awesome. I love when they eat their own. They don't even realize it. I didn't realize it either. They seem pretty chummy to me, to be honest with you. She seemed like she was giddy, and he was laughing and. Pretty giddy himself, but I mean, maybe you're right. I, it didn't. It didn't seem that way to me. Did it seem that way to you, G? Like she threw him off? Um, I'm not sure. Like I, I think maybe she threw him off a little bit, but he also seemed like he was ready to go into those talking points. So maybe he just thought that's what she wanted to hear. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure she was very happy with his answer, but he didn't have an answer. Like like anybody sitting there would be scratching their head or, or better yet, running into a wall because, hey, that's not an answer. I think he thought he had an answer. We're going to go of in and listen to the community. We <laughs> yeah. went upstate to look at I whatever he said, I-80. Yeah, we're going we're we're gonna gonna, go to take the part the New York Thruway. We're going to go underneath. And, and where we can't go underneath, we're going to go over. And, and it's going to be great. We're going to bring a communities. But the communities are settled in. She even went back and said, yeah, but basically what she's saying is everything's already been built. What are you going to do? How are you going to undo everybody that lives there and everything that's already built? You can't. Well, racism is, <laughs> racism is everything these days. And it's, it's, uh, it's pervasive on, on yeah. CNN and MSNBC. We didn't play this last week. I actually talked about it going out for the weekend on Friday. Uh, 17G. The problem is here, I, they, want, they want white supremacy by ventriloquist effect. All right, just hold there it for one second. Black... Let me restart it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know you were going to start it. This is, this is, speaking of lunatics, oh I'll have three God. names. This is Michael Eric Dyson, 
He, believe it or not, is a professor of something somewhere, I think, at Georgetown. <laughs> was he Pete's he teacher? Is, he is talking about um, Winsome Sears, who just became the lieutenant governor of Virginia in the election last Tuesday. And, of course, Joy Reid can't get enough of him. And so start this from the beginning. So Joy Reid's talking about Winsome Sears, of course, because... She can't stand her, number one, because she's smarter than she is. She won't debate her because, I mean, we obviously know Winsome Sears challenged her to a debate. Joy Reid would never put Winsome Sears on her show, ever. But she'll put this lunatic on so he can say this. Roll it. Problem is here they want they want white supremacy by ventriloquist effect. There is a black mouth moving, but a white idea through the running on the runway of the tongue of a figure who justifies and legitimates uh, the white supremacist practices. We know that we can internalize in our own minds, in our own subconscious, in our own bodies the very principles that are undoing us. So to have a black face uh, speaking in behalf of a white supremacist legacy is nothing new and it is to the chagrin of those of us who study race that the white folk on the other side and the right wingers on the other side don't understand this is politics one-on-one and this is race not even one-on-one what's beneath one-on-one it's the it's the pre-k of race you should understand the fact that if you tell black people look i support a negro look there is a person of color that i am in favor of and that person of color happens to undermine and undercut and subvert the very principles about which we are concerned, you do yourself no service by pointing to them as an example of your racial progressivism. Jesus. I mean, could you have a more repugnant, <laughs> repulsive person on TV than him with that, with that diatribe? Where else could somebody get away with that kind, that kind of... Where else could you get away with that? If not on Joy Reid show, this idiot on MSNBC. How is he employed by some college? How is he teaching kids? I don't know. Anything. I mean, that is, that is so repulsive sounding. You know how they, you notice how they always break it down to you're just so stupid. Can't you yeah. see this? This is like, this is like, well, what's, this is less, this is pre-K. This is racism. I'm by- so smart, Joy. Can't you tell? It's just oozing out of me in my fancy language that I use and my big words and my, um, the runway of the tongue. Don't don't see how smart I am. Ah, <laughs> oh. uh, but that that's what that's that makes for TV on MSNBC. But meanwhile, he he would never debate. Not only wouldn't Joy Reid because she's a dunce, uh, but this idiot he might he, actually he, he wouldn't he wouldn't get into a ring with yeah. with uh, Winsome Sears. He'd get clobbered. He he, he might and he'd think he he thinks and he would think he won every. He would, he, he would do that. I've seen him debate. He does the same thing. He tries to over-talk, over-modulate, overthink, then start, big words, talking around in circles. Then start yelling, and then if you think, if you raise your voice, you're winning the argument. And he thinks he wins every argument because he thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And, but that's what passes for, uh, that's what passes on MSNBC, which, why the Cartoon Network has more people watching. But, <laughs> I mean, could you, could you imagine a white person going on Fox and, and saying the exact same words, exact same words, just change the speaker, right. 
Tucker Carlson does that in his opening. What do you, what do you think the, uh, you think Joy Reid's going, oh man, oh, oh, wow, did you hear Steve Tucker last night? Hey, he was spot on. <laughs> I don't think so. No, he'd probably be replaced by the next uh, commercial break. I don't think so. So, Any updates on the uh, what's going on in the Lincoln Memorial? Uh, let's see here. Nothing yet. It's just uh, the same thing. They're just showing up. How long is that? Uh, do we have time for 16? This is the other thing I didn't get to last week after the election. This is uh, now Carville. He's longer than um, about 30 seconds. Well, you know, I used James Carville and Paul Begala used to be great together. Begala, of course, was on the right, and James was over there on the left. James, is, of course, is married. I believe he's still married. Mary Matlin, who, of course, was a big advisor for President Bush, second President Bush, in the early 2000s. And James used to be, I don't know. I don't know what happened. James is, uh, Carville's gotten... <laughs> he's out there with the squad now. Like, he's out there on, in Looney Tunesville. But, I mean, I used to like Carville, but, man, he's just oof, tough to listen to nowadays. All right, more to do. Crazy Town coming up. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. So there's an update to what's going on at the Lincoln Memorial. What is that update? Yeah, it appears that the, um, and this is according to the United States Park Police, concerning the shooting at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., after the body was picked up in a stretcher and uh, airlifted out. The victim's injuries appear to be self-inflicted, according to the uh, U.S. Park Police. And the area has been closed for further investigation. The condition of the uh, of the person is not known at this time. So, okay, that is the update. Not much, but now we know it's self inflicted. It appears to be. I noticed Kevin McCarthy tweeting a lot tonight about uh, President Biden wants to do this. President Biden wants to do that. And again, I just wonder. Maybe you should spend a little less time on Twitter and maybe a little more time getting your. Uh, Getting your ducks in order in the house, but maybe not. All right, uh, let's do some sports. In here with that's Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, speaking of updates, Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh has gone up 14 nothing. That's uh, halfway through the second quarter. They lead the Chicago Bears in Heinz Field, so looking good for my G. Uh, right now it's third and 24 <laughs> for Chicago from the uh, Pittsburgh 21. So fourth so, quarter, what did you say? How much time left? I got plenty. I got all half to go, Big D. Oh, so you got you're, eight you're... minutes to go in the second quarter. Okay, so you have not learned about the gambling gods and the kiss of death when you say... Like it's in the bag already. But that's okay. You'll, I just said it's looking good. I didn't bag it yet. You'll learn the hard it. way. Go I ahead. Didn't bag it. All right. And, uh, well, I got to give a shout out. Bub at Bub Daily reached out to me on Twitter. One of my followers, he says, hey, how about showing my Titans some love? Tennessee Titans with a big upset win last night, Sunday Night Football, 28-16 to over the uh, L.A. Rams. That was a big game in SoFi Stadium. I watched that game, and I was awfully shocked when I saw the Rams losing 21-3. to So, hopefully, uh, Bub will come out and see us when we go to Tennessee, Big D. Well, no Derrick Henry, so people expected um, yeah. Tennessee to struggle. But here's the thing. 
when the opposing quarterback throws the ball to you guys, your team, <laughs> more than he throws it to his team, it's not that hard to beat any team, even on the road, as um, Matt Stafford looked like he was back in a Detroit Lions um, uniform. And on within three passes, threw two pick sixes. Incredible. Three passes, put up 14 for Tennessee, 21-3. It was over at that point. Yes, it was. All right, let's go to the rodeo. Cook's Rodeo Days, Lubbock, Texas. Cook's Garage, which I hear is a fabulous place to catch an event, including they even do car racing there. Uh, Saddle Bronc, Jacobs Crawley, 80 points on. Sicilian Kiss picked up $2,100. Steer Wrestling, Shade Etherton, 3.6 seconds. That score held up from Friday's report. Team Roping also held up from Friday's report was Corbin Rice and Josh Patton, 4.3 seconds. That was the best score. Tie down, Cash and Durley for 7.7 seconds. He picked up $883 worth of cash. Bow Racing, Sissy wins score held up 17 seconds. Good score. Bull Riding, Braden Richardson, 88 points on sinkhole. Sounds like my budget for the gambling. Uh, and uh, Steer Roping, Ty Williams in nine seconds. And all-around Cowboy, Paul David Tierney, $4,100 for tie-down roping and team roping. wonder if that's any relations to the new attorney general out here on Long Island. Uh, and uh, this was the total payoff, $142,000. Stock contractor was the Servi Brothers. And Canelo Alvarez demolishes Caleb Plant, becomes undisputed champion. Mike Copinger of ESPN, Las Vegas, Canelo Alvarez kept swarming round after round, even as his elusive opponent glided around the ring on Saturday at the MGM Grand Garden. Garden Arena. Uh, the pressure mounted and Canelo never stopped coming. He promised to punish Caleb Plant. The opponent, he said, was the most disliked of his career. And in the 11th round, he finally broke through. A brutal left hook followed by an even more vicious right uppercut. Floored Plant. He never recovered. So Canelo Alvarez, the undisputed champ. And uh, he's 57-1-2 with 39 knockouts. Absolutely great fighter from Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, he is the four-division world champion now. And one more big D. Pro Bull Riders unleashed the beast from Las Vegas, Nevada, T-Mobile Arena. This was LeMay. Uh, Jose Vitor LeMay of Brazil single-handedly rewrote the PBR Bull Riders record books in 2021, put a giant exclamation point on the greatest single season in league history yesterday afternoon in Vegas, conquering the year's Yeti World Champion Bull with the highest-ranked ride of all time. LeMay won the 2021 World Championship and PBR final event. He just seems to get better and better. He shattered the league's all-time high-mark ride record. Uh, LeMay covered whoop for a monstrous 9.75 point score and route to again being anointed the PBR champion, becoming just the second back-to-back title holder in league history. We love pro bull riding and, uh, well, Jose Vitola May, he is the man. Back to you, Big D. All right, Rick, thanks. We'll do some more sports before the end of the show. You know, the Biden mandate, um, a judge in the Fifth Circuit put a pause on it. Did you see this? Yep. Did you see the White House today? Yep. You have this story? Yep. Oh, go ahead. I can't find it right now because I wasn't ready. So the White House today, (laughs) well, the crux of it, the White House told businesses today, don't worry about what the court says. You just go ahead and just, Ron Klain says, don't worry about it. It's going to go. I mean, you would think Ron Klain sent guys over to the judges, uh, whatever, and strong-arming them, the way he talks. They've... Just total disregard for the court. I hope the judge is noticing the language coming out of the out of the White House today. Yeah, the panel of judges on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled Saturday that the vaccine mandate announced by President Biden should be paused over concerns about its 
constitutionality. The lawsuit against the mandate was filed by a number of states, including Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Utah, because the petition gives cause to believe that there are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate. The mandate is hereby stayed pending further action by this court. They were given until 5 p.m. today to answer on the ruling and respond to a request on the permanent injunction. And of course, like you just said, the Biden administration said, we think the people should not wait. Um, they should just continue to move forward and make sure that they're getting their work pl- workplace vaccinated. Yeah, just move forward. Yeah, just move forward. Court. Disregard the Fifth Circuit. Disregard um, this judge. We have as much contempt for the judge as we do for you, the American public. So don't worry about it. Just move forward. I don't care what the Fifth Circuit said. This is what's coming from the White House. Yeah, amazing. So just absolutely no regard for any checks and balances, representative, just total disregard. And again, I'll keep going back to the same thing. It's like Tuesday never happened. It's like Tuesday never happened. Not with the spending, not with the mandates. The new, the new numbers are out. Biden's continuing to drop, now below 38. Wow. Her numbers are, <laughs> her 20s. numbers are get, approaching <laughs> skim milk again. Yeah, like how she's lost <laughs> I think I think she's she's uh, polled as the lowest uh, polled vice president ever, ever. She's number one. Two thirds of independents disapprove of Joe Biden's job performance. Two thirds. It doesn't matter. They will, as I've always said, burn the place down on the way through, no matter how much time they have. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. Doesn't matter what the courts say. Doesn't matter. Full contempt, post-constitutional world we're living in under this administration. All right, what else is going on in the news? Well, they've got a... Uh, got any updates on Rittenhouse? Yeah, actually, I don't think we have enough time to play the clip, though. Um, basically, the, uh, the court... All right, so then why don't you, you, know, why don't you save that one if you okay, have something we'll else? Okay, let's save that. Let's we'll go do that the... when we get back, because that's... Um, that... <laughs> That clip is awesome. Uh, China appears to have built full-scale mock-ups of U.S. warships in a desert in the country's northern western Xinjiang, uh, Xinjiang region. Satellite images show. One of the images captured by U.S. space technology Maxar shows a structured shape like a military aircraft carrier placed on rail tracks. Huh. Um, they're not bad folks, folks. Yeah, Beijing has been developing and testing anti-ship ballistic missiles for years. The U.S. has warned that in recent months, China has been rapidly expanding its military, including its nuclear capability, as tensions build in the South China Sea. And on Sunday, USNNI News said the structures photographed in the Taklamaklin Desert appeared to include flat outlines of U.S. military vessels without weapons or other details. The site reported that the buildings of such structures show that China continues to focus on anti-carrier capabilities with an emphasis on U.S. Navy warships. And they also talked about the detail in which some of these ships were put together. And that just, le- that just leads you to say, uh, I wonder where they're getting the plans for these things. All right, more news. Crazy Town. A couple other good things, too. When we get back... All right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in. 
Let's do a little more news with uh, Rick Delgado, and then we'll get to Crazy Town. What's going on? Yeah, this story we were we were hinting at just before the break, uh, talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, where the man shot by Rittenhouse tells the court he advanced on the defendant and pointed his gun. <laughs> yeah, you mean, well, you're giving away the whole clip. we got to just get yeah. just... just... Um, this happened during cross-examination of uh, Gage Grosskreutz. He was shot in the bicep. You might remember that video from when it first broke uh, about a year or so ago. It was asked by the defense team what he was doing, and he was walked through it. And I'm not going to give out any more because you got to watch the video. I want you to um, <laughs> I want you to pay attention to the prosecution table <laughs> in this clip. I want you to pay attention to the prosecution's table and the lawyer sitting at the prosecution's table. As the defense does cross-examination. And I, yeah. when I saw this, I, I think I tweeted at the time, I wonder if on the stand is the first time the prosecution ever met their witnesses. <laughs> so play this clip. Which one is it here? You know 13. 13. Roll that. That's a photo of you, yes? Yes. Okay. Um, that's Mr. Rittenhouse? Correct. Okay. Now... You'd agree your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And once your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, that's when he fires his gun. Yes? No. Sir, look, I don't want to... Does this look like right now your arm is being shot? That looks like my bicep being vaporized, yes. Okay. And it's being vaporized as you're pointing your gun directly at him. Yes? Yes. Okay, so when you were standing three to five feet from him with your arms up in the air, he never fired, right? Correct. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. Uh, uh. <laughs> he thinks he's doing a great job. He's looking at, I guess this angle doesn't show the prosecution. Th- oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. There yeah. he is. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a bad Monday. Yeah. That's not how you want to start your Monday if you're the prosecution team and your star witness <laughs> basically just said the uh, the defendant acted in self-defense. Yeah. He didn't shoot me till I pulled my gun and approached him. Right. Oh. And again, I wonder if this is the first time that the prosecution has ever spoke to these witnesses. <laughs> Did they not know they were going to go through this videotape and show frame by frame of what happened? I now, mean, the background on this guy, the more it's coming out. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a, like a long criminal record. He, he doesn't has, have a long criminal record, but he does have a prior gun offense. Well, I read it was, I read it was fairly um, extensive. There no? were, there were a couple, the other two men had longer criminal records than this guy. Okay. Maybe that's who I read about. Um, he also. It wasn't registered or wasn't licensed too, right? His, this guy? his gun had a bullet in the chamber, so it was ready to fire. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't it didn't have the safety on, it wasn't it wasn't not properly loaded. It was all properly loaded, ready to fire. 
When you were three or four feet away with your hands up, he didn't point his gun. No. So he only pointed the gun and fired when you pulled your weapon and approached them. Correct. Yep, that's pretty much the case, folks. I don't know if you've seen the video of the three attorneys who have been live streaming this and, and doing live reaction to it. No. Is well, it, is it like mean, Mystery Science Theater 3000 or something? Well, no, the three of them, when he says correct, the guy on the top just goes, well, that's it. <laughs> Summary judgment or whatever he says. You know, basically, I guess it gets to a point where it gets so ridiculously clear right. that the judge could just order basically a... Uh, Okay, the case is dismissed. <laughs> Sound, that's what it sounded like he was saying to me. Wow. But people are now saying, I mean, I got, obviously it's not over, but I mean, it has not, this has not been exactly what you'll teach in law school. You, you will not go back. Like, you might go back to Johnny Cochran in the OJ days to talk about maybe how to defend someone who, I mean, there, you could go back and probably find some things to teach kids there. You will not go back to any part of this prosecution and use any of it in any um, to teach any future lawyers, <laughs> unless you're trying to show them what not to do. Yeah, what not to do. <laughs> you might use it then. That's the only way you'd use any of this footage because it has been a pretty much a disaster. Yeah, especially when there was more uh, more video that came out and showed him being chased chased down, we're talking about uh, Kyle Rittenhouse being chased down, being shot at by another man that uh, I guess they still have not been able to find. Um, the second man shot Anthony Huber had rushed and struck him with a skateboard. We all saw that on the video. And then, of course, he was approached by uh, Grosskreitz at the scene who had a gun in his hand, pointed it at him, and it was already ready to fire with a bullet in the chamber. Um yeah. So. And I mean, I don't know if we're in Nicholas Sandman territory. We might be even worse. Maybe we're not. I, I don't know. I'm not into the minutiae of all of it, but you're already seeing the calls for the people who have, who immediately called this kid a domestic terrorist and everything else, including Ayanna Presley, including CNN, including many in the media. I mean, we'll see how it all shakes out, but I would think that they're going to be getting just maybe a little bit nervous on a not guilty, especially if, if it doesn't even get to a verdict and this thing gets dismissed or what. I don't mean, I don't know how, what, you know, if it can work or what, how that will work. But, um, well, it kind of reminds you of Nick Sandman. That's what I just said. I don't know if yeah. we're in, I don't know if we're in that territory yet. I mean, I think we need a resolution. Obviously we need a resolution here, but. You would think if he's found to be not guilty with the preponderance of evidence so far that we've seen, he may, one ha he may have one hell of a case against a whole lot of people. Yeah, including the news media like the CNNs and the Washington yeah. Post of the world. Yeah, so, all right, crazy town time. Biden, um, well, he had the Milwaukee Bucks, the NBA champs, at the White House. He congratulates the Bucks, <laughs> sort of, Rolichy. The buck stops here. Well, good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> it's an honor to host uh, the 2021 NBA championship champions, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Not a joke. 19, I'm, excuse the point of personal privilege we used to say in the Senate. 
1972, I was a 29-year-old kid who decided I was going to run for the United States Senate. I wasn't old enough. You had to be 30 to be a senator, for real. And, uh, and uh, right at the very end, my sister managed my campaign, and my brother raised the money. He was 25. My sister was, she used to be three years younger. She's now 20 years younger. But anyway, and uh, we, everything was moving. We were actually catching up after being down 56 to 28 at one point. Uh, the second gentleman, Doug, where are you, Doug? There's a man, he's a basketball fan. He's the second gentleman. He's a first-rate lawyer, and now he's the second gentleman. And I don't know where he has more power. Now, I, I know uh, you've got final, you, you know, you got in the finals uh, a, uh, the MVP player here. And Dante grew up in Newark, Delaware, attended a high school. I still like him anyway. There's two competing high schools, Catholic high schools in Delaware. Archburn Slaziano. Slaziano had five times as many boys, and they beat us all the time. But I still, I still have the second highest score of football. You know, I don't know, man. He's the second highest score of football. football. And Sorry. then to make it, just to keep your, the owners and and your coach and and constant perspiring. Look, they're uh, all able to you, read what uh, he can. Finals, you're down zero to two against Phoenix. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I would have liked to bend there when right, had second row. on. What? Got yeah. the shoes went. But, uh, Medic? At any rate, you're good. You're good. But I tell you what. They have um, the advantage you, you of way up closed now. caption. When I first went to Beijing to meet with Xi Jinping, he put me on a basketball court. I'm not like these guys. I can play a little bit. But put me on a basketball court. I'm thinking to myself, everywhere in the world I go, He's I travel so the world basketball. Now that I've ruined your reputation, <laughs> congratulations, Milwaukee Bucks. Best of luck for the rest of this season. <laughs> this is a season just beginning for us here. But all kidding aside, best of luck next year, but you all are the best. How about You're this the year? best, and it's a great honor to have you here. Now, I think I'm supposed to introduce somebody, but oh I'm not goodness. sure who am I supposed I to introduce. I think I'm supposed now. to do something. I think I'm supposed to go to the bathroom. Are you doing a photograph? We're giving you the jersey. Give me a jersey. Oh, okay. all right. Okay, man. Yeah, I hate New Jersey. I'm from Delaware. <laughs> all right. Come on, man. If you guys aren't here, they're going to think I stole the jersey. All right. Wow. I hate New Jersey. <laughs> Oh, a New Jersey. Oh, oh. I thought you meant the race in New Jersey. Now, gee, why did you label it Biden congratulates the Bucks? Sort of, because he talked about himself the whole time. He didn't talk about them once. And, and he, the one guy he talked about scorer. was the guy who had the high school rivalry with him and right. how much he hated his other his other team. But he was still the second highest football scorer. Yeah. So don't forget he about that. Fo- he did say football, right? Yeah. He did say football. <laughs> Now, now. <laughs> How many sports records does he have? He's got a, he's, he's got, got everyone. <laughs> he was a Jim Thorpe of Delaware. You don't understand. He did every sport. Have you seen his his record in curling? It's I amazing. Can't wait. I can't wait for when the movie about Biden's life comes out to see the scene where he plays basketball against Xi Jinping. <laughs> exactly. When I went to China, he put me on a basketball court. Where'd that come from? 
We've never heard that. We, is that where he one. spent all his time? Keeps telling us he spent more time with the guy yeah. than anyone else. Because they were, they were out there shooting threes. <laughs> Maybe he meant... They're playing horse. Maybe he meant he was too busy to, like, do anything with him, so he just left him on the basketball court he to... Left him on the, here, play with this. <laughs> Stay out of the way. The game of oh horse never got to an end because Joe couldn't spell it. <laughs> oh, my God. True story. <sighs> Yeah, Truck driver, <laughs> basketball player, football oh, star. Don't forget lumberjack. Smoke <laughs> jumper. Smoke, <laughs> Smoke jumper. jumper. Jumped out of planes. <laughs> Has there ever been anybody? Is there a business he's gone to or somebody that's come to the White House that he hasn't been part of that whatever was there? You know what I mean? The truck drivers came. He was a truck driver. The Bucks come. He was a basketball player. The football guys come, he scored a football player. Baseball, right. remember, he hit the longest home yeah. run. Right, yeah, yeah. He hit the longest home run. <laughs> when, when, when the abortion lobby came in, he talked about his abortion that he had. No, that's not true. I don't remember that at all. I don't remember that one. I don't remember that. But he's done everything yeah. of whatever the topic is that he's around. <laughs> Only thing he hasn't done has been a doctor. I don't think I've heard him say through it's all the coming. COVID stuff. It's but that coming. could be coming. When he did his first heart surgery. <laughs> that could be coming. <laughs> With Dr. Gray in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> and he's ridden more train tracks than there are train tracks. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> Joey, baby. Hey, Joey, baby. baby. <laughs> oh. Let's go, Brandon. from studio 6 p.m. trying to uh now see i'm on on dr malone's uh twitter and i don't see that tweet i think that's uh maybe not real someone sent me a um something a follow-up on governor newsom and it was dr malone who i happen to follow and have listened to and he's been on this network a bunch of times talking about gavin newsom and what possibly could have happened to him, but I don't see that tweet on his regular timeline, so I got a feeling that may not be real. So, um, <clears throat> All right, so we'll continue to try to find out if there's any news on Governor Newsom on what's going on, and if he has had a reaction to the vaccine, or if that's why he's been out of the public eye for 11 days or not. So um, there's a piece by Scott Moorfield in Town Hall about OSHA's worker vaccination mandate poses a grave danger to freedom. And I want to get to that, but I want to get to the back to something that broke, I guess it was maybe a week or two ago now, about these cash payments to illegal families separated at the border. Uh, a couple things here. Let's go cut one, G. Biden was, remember, Peter Ducey confronted Biden at that press conference, and he said that's a garbage take by the media, and it's not happening, and it's not true, and if you guys would stop talking about it, then the, the next day, 
Peter Ducey was in the press briefing room. By the way, Jen Psaki has, is it, I guess it's not 10 days yet on Psaki because she's been, seems like it's longer than 10 days, but maybe not. I believe she said on the 31st, she okay. tests okay, positive. So she may still have some so time. It's been like eight or nine days. Okay. Then the next day, Jean uh, Pierre, her fill-in, uh, Corinne Jean Pierre, was asked by Ducey, and she gave a little bit of a different answer, saying the the president was uh, comfortable with with payments. And then I showed you the video of Mayorkas being asked by the reporter, who said the president didn't even seem like he was aware that this was being floated in the in the ether for discussion. Well, so Biden was asked directly, when is this from, G? This is from yesterday, from Saturday. Uh, cut one, roll that. Where do you stand? You said last week uh, that this report about uh, migrant families at the border getting payments uh, was garbage. No, I didn't uh, say that. Let's get it straight. You said everybody coming across the border gets five hundred, four hundred fifty thousand dollars. The number was what you had a problem. The number with. I was referring to. Okay. Now here's the thing. Sure. If in fact, okay, just to hold it for a second. The, no, here, here's something to realize. This is not Peter Ducey who's asked this question. This is sounds like I can't see who it is, but it sounds like the guy from the Washington um, Free Beacon. It's not Peter Ducey. Biden thinks it's Peter, or the same person who asked him the last question. So go ahead, G. The outrageous behavior of the last administration, you coming across the border, whether it was legal or illegal, and you lost your child. You lost your child. It's gone. Why is he getting, you deserve he? some kind of compensation, no matter what the circumstance. What that will be, I have no idea. It's a little different. I have no idea. He thinks by yelling, yes. he's right. Um, by the way, the last administration, this policy was already in place for the last administration. I saw the border, um, I saw somebody on uh, with Martha McCallum today, a judge, Brandon Judge, I think he's part of the border, and he said that the policy was that the, the kids and parents got separated. And by the way, the policy was already in place. Trump didn't put the policy in place. It was already in place, my understanding of it. That they got separated for like a, an hour or two to, ask, to be able to ask the kids and then the parents and questions about whether they were here, whether the parents forced them here, whether these were really their parents. And if they were, they would be reunited within a couple of hours. And he said that many times, many times they weren't reunited because the parents decided to leave and leave the kids in America. And they left purposefully leaving the kids here. So I don't know what that, outri- what that outburst is supposed to accomplish, but he's not even telling the truth. Well, the truth doesn't matter. He just wants to. He just wants to use this as a uh, you know heart heartstring pulling uh, situation. Oh, you lost your kid. We're going to give you money because you broke our laws. Um, n- let's not talk about the fact that if you are even this kid's parent, and you're not just child trafficking them across the border for pay, uh, that uh, if you were really the parent and you were really concerned about their health and their safety and their well-being, you would not have put him in harm's way to begin with. You would not have traversed over through Mexico to come up across the border illegally and broken a law 
that would see you separated from your child because, let's face it, we don't know if you're a coyote or you're the real parent. So why should we take your word for it? You just broke the law. And now we're going to give you half a million dollars because, you know, Joe says so. So um, press briefing today. This came up again. Cut to G. Roll that. Now that the president is on the record uh, as of Saturday supporting compensation for illegal immigrants who are separated from family at the border, who counts as separated? If somebody was just separated for a few hours or a few days, would they be eligible to settle a suit and get this payment from DOJ? So, Peter, I will direct you to the Department of Justice for any specifics on that. We have, we have, you've asked us this question, we have answered it, and I will refer you to the Department of Justice on any specifics. Going into great detail, though, about the policy. So, if he can answer it, I just, I'm curious. Going back to 2018, some illegal immigrants were given a choice get deported alone or get deported with their kids. If somebody chose to be separated, chose to go back by themselves without their family, would they be eligible to settle one of these lawsuits? Peter, I'm going to refer you to Department of Justice. I don't have anything more to say, and I'm going to move on, okay? okay? All right, thank you. Go ahead, Caitlin. No. She has no, she has no answers. Nope. This might be the single most unpopular thing that the American people have ever heard, as it should be. As it should be. The single most unpopular thing that most Americans have ever heard is this preposterous idea. And um, Mark Morgan has a piece in National Review. Cash to illegal immigrants is the new low in Biden's open borders push. So, uh, all right, let's wrap it up. Let's do a little more sports here. And here with that's Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? Okay, a couple of quick hits. Big is this D. the last segment of the show? Yes, yeah. sir. This is it. Hour number three starts next. Yep. Man, oh, man. Go it's ahead. that daylight Donald savings. <laughs> uh, the Chicago Bears have gotten on the board with the field goal. It's 14-3 at the half. We'll check the second half out and see how we do. But right now, yep. Pittsburgh Steel is 14-3. Yep. It'll be 14-3 right down to the last 30 seconds. And then Chicago will score a meaningless touchdown. And you'll win by how many if they do that? I'll lose because I only win by four, and I need to cut, win by more than seven. That's called the kiss of death that okay. you put on it. Yep. And uh, <laughs> uh, just one more quick one there. Cameron Usman beats uh, best Colby Covington on Saturday night in a sold-out Madison Square Garden. Good close decision, 48-47, 49-46, and 48-47 for the UFC welterweight title. Good fight. Usman outlanded Covington, 123-107 to in significant strikes. And speaking of the Garden, the Rangers held on to win 4-3 to three in the Garden tonight over the Florida Panthers. And the Knicks look good, too, beating the Sixers 103-96. Julius Randle with 31 for the Knickerbockers. And that's a wrap, Big D. Okay, very good. Um, I like Colby Covington a lot. Yeah. He could fight Kamaru Usman 100 times. He'd lose 100 times. Yeah. Usman's got his number. <laughs> <laughs> he's got everyone's number. Yeah, he's good. That's that's the point. He's got everyone's number. All right, nice. anything else quickly in the news you want to hit, Rick? No, we don't really have time for anything else. All right, very good. Um, so tomorrow we'll, we're back, obviously, 8 p.m. And then on Wednesday, special show. We'll talk a little bit more about tomorrow, tackling some of the issues our young people here in this country face, or really all people face, but specifically I think we're focused on teenagers and such. We'll get into that uh, on Wednesday with a very special guest and a very special uh, video and song. Uh, that we're going to break here for you. I think maybe it might be the first time anyone's ever seen it. So, as always, we salute our military active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines protecting us, serving us. 
Thanks, everybody, on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, friend. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, thank you, the Live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here, Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B. 